0: Welcome to the new Money Habits Podcast, where we talk about how to create a better plan for your money so you don't have to live paycheck to paycheck. Here are your hosts Sarah Jones and Nino Villa.
1: Welcome back, Budgeteers, Coach Nino Villa here alongside of me. My partner's on the Airways as always it's Sarah Jones, Sarah, how are you doing? and more importantly, where the heck are
0: you? Ooh well, hello Nino, Hello, friends out there um. We are kind of on the road so we're we're staying a couple of days um, now in a little place called Saratoga, Wyoming, um, outside of the snowy mountain range, um, which is actually my husband's probably favorite place on earth. so it's nice to be here for a couple of days, utilize the hobo hot springs that they have here, um, which are really nice and relax. We've needed it after our adventure in South Dakota. <laughs>
1: That sounds amazing and really getting to move across the country, like really getting to see it all. That's, that's incredible. Mm-hmm.
0: It is. It is. We're very, uh, we're, we're happy to do this and this is, you know, I talk about our created life and this is the life that we choose to create every day. So.
1: Awesome. And we have a special guest with us today. And mm-hmm. so lurking in the background there, um, uh, Waiting for her introduction, we have with us today, Kelly Kellum, who is the college admissions and funding strategist. And she helps families of college bound students get into the right fit college so they can save an average of $80,000. And going to college doesn't have to break the family budget. We're excited to have you. Welcome, Kelly.
2: Thank you, I'm excited to be here, Nino and Sarah. Thank you so much.
1: Why don't you tell us a little, give us just a little sneak peek on how it is you help your clients save an average of $80,000?
2: Well, truly that right fit school is the key. So it's about doing the things in high school that they need to do to get into, to really be ready and get into that right fit school. And then once we get them into the right fit school, usually there are ways that the colleges give them money and that's why it needs to be the right fit for both the college and the student. And then there are some other things after they submit their applications that can also help with funding.
1: I cannot wait to dive into it a little <clears throat> bit more. Um, I think we're going to have a great conversation today about how to even start that process and and where to kind of get, uh, get the ball rolling. But before we do that... Don't miss out on valuable financial insights. Subscribe to the New Money Habits podcast today and unlock a wealth of knowledge to empower your financial journey. Stay up to date with the latest episodes as Sarah and I discuss practical tips. Host expert guests, just like Kelly, and have thought-provoking discussions on all things money-related. Hit that subscribe button now and join our community of savvy listeners. All right, Kelly. So um, where... Where do we get this? Where do we get our conversation started? And where do our listeners get their conversation started?
2: Well, the conversation really wants to start with um, whether or not college is right for everyone. And talking about college, first of all, starts early in high school. And, And for some families, it even starts in junior high, middle school. Maybe they can see that a student really has the aptitude to go on to college, and they seem to want to do something that would require them to go to college. I mean, maybe they want to be an engineer. Maybe they want to be a teacher. Those things require college. We all know that not everything requires a student to go to college. Maybe that student wants to work with their hands. There is absolutely nothing wrong with going into a trade. And, you know, I'll be honest, my husband's a truck driver. College was not for him. He is a truck driver. He makes a very good living. Is it hard? Yes. But there is nothing wrong with that. And truthfully, not all students should go to college if that's really not where their aptitude lies. And I don't know, people are always surprised to hear me say that. And I don't know how Sarah, you and Nino feel about that conversation. But that is the basis from which I work. I only take on the students who really are motivated to go to college. You know, and I'll jump in here because yes, I do have two, to... college, yeah,
0: two college age kids. And, um, you know, it's interesting because my son, who is now 24, he went to college right out of high school. Right. And I'll be real honest, did not do very well has been out, um, you know, he left college, been out for a couple of years, and now he's re-enrolled in just community college. And my daughter went to college right out of high school and um, is a senior now in in college. And so I've kind of seen a lot of different sides of, you know, working with kids through high school, you know, middle school, high school, sending kids off to college, and then seeing that college wasn't a good fit right away, right? And so I've got a lot of um, a lot of just personal insight, but I've learned so much through this process um, that I love that we're having this conversation. What I've, frankly, what I've said for many years now is that, um, number one, again, college isn't for everybody and it's okay if you choose not to go. You know, I think that there is this little bit of a stigma, like if you choose to not go to college, you are kind of looked down upon. Um, that was certainly what we experienced with myself. Many, 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 many years ago when I chose, I do not have a college education. Um, And then just work in the process through my kids. You know, I I think that there is this, you know, oh, you're going to college, you're celebrated a lot more. So I love that we're having this conversation that it's okay if you choose not to go. And it's okay if you choose to not go right away, right? Um, Maybe you don't know what it is that you really want to do at 18 years old, right? What do you really want to do for the rest of your life? I mean, I had no idea. I just figured it out at 45 or how I'm not even 45 yet. I just said 45. So there's an insight that maybe next year I'll figure out what I really want
1: to do. (laughs) And that's what I was going to say. I was going to say, maybe, Sarah, you're you're, um, divulging the fact that you don't know yet what you want to do. And that is perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. There's some gurus out there that'll tell you that life doesn't really start until 50. So I mean, you know, (laughs) we have some time. But I want to go back to, you know, where does this conversation begin? And and I like the idea of at least starting to have the conversation with middle school, uh, junior high students. You know, I have a eighth grader this year. And we've started to have those conversations about what do you what do you like doing? It's not even about what do you want to do. I don't expect a 13-year-old to know what they want to do. But what are some of the things you enjoy doing? What do you like? You know, at this age, I and I also have a nine-year-old, I like to point out different occupations that might not be obvious to them. So if we're watching a movie, the obvious might be the actor on screen. But what's not obvious is there's... A videographer and there's an audio person and, and there's script writers and there's directors and there's all these kind of behind the scenes. So as we're kind of just experiencing life, it's, Hey, can we just start to point out some of the other things that might not be so obvious so that we can broaden our children's uh, awareness and interest in? Oh, well, maybe I want to, maybe I want to learn more about that, you know? I, I never thought about making a movie, but you know, I, my son at, at you know, 18 months was picking up my, my <clears throat> wife's cell phone, hitting the record button and kind of running around the house making videos. Right. And so it's like, well, do you know that people actually get paid to do that? Yeah. So just, ex- you know, broadening the horizon, helping them to understand that, you know, college may be a path, but it's not always the path for everybody. And I also wanted to touch on um, Kelly, what you talked about, like with the trades, I don't know. I should have probably uh, done a little bit of research to find the statistics, but I anecdotally I can sense that we are coming up on a generation of plumbers and electricians and other trades men and women who, as they retire, I don't know that we have enough people to fill the gap that they are going to leave because I don't know that enough people are going to trade school and learning some of those important trades that we rely on every day.
2: I completely agree with you, Nino. And actually, I, I haven't done the research on the stats either. I probably should, actually. But to your point, no, I don't think we have a lot of people going into the trades. I see a few. I do see the trend of the learning the shop classes, you know, the auto shop, the wood shop, electronics, uh, welding, coming back at least into the high schools in my area. And I'm very fortunate that my stepson has decided that he wants to take some of those classes because mm-hmm. first of all, those are good life skills. It mm-hmm. never hurts to know how to fix a car or to weld something. And the fact that he can wire you know, he can, he can install a light in our kitchen. That's, that's fabulous. He's going to need those skills in life. He has decided that he's not sure if he wants to go in to a trade to become an electrician or if he wants to go more into an engineering field. So, you know, what I have said is simply keep your options open for both. When you're 18, which will happen middle of his senior year, you can make the decision as to which way you want to go until then you pursue both and you educate yourself about what you need to do for both. And, you know, I really, I really think that if he does end up going into a trade, he's going to help people out because there aren't so many people going into the trade to your point though, um, about You know The the idea that your son would possibly like to work behind the camera, it's funny because I have a student right now that I'm working with who was dead set on being an actor. When we first started looking at schools, he wanted to look into acting majors. Well, we've talked about a couple of things, one of them being how hard it is to break into acting, but the other side of it is that while he's been out doing some extra work on film sets he has developed an interest in what's behind the scenes. And now I think he's going into film. We're now looking at film majors as opposed to acting majors. He's going to minor in acting. So, you know, I really appreciate what you're doing there and what you're talking about with just exposing kids to the other things that are in that realm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I remember growing up as a kid, it was like you're either going to be a teacher or a police officer or if you were really special, you were going to go off and be a doctor. But, I mean, there are so many different things. And we live in a generation where, of course, both my kids are like, I want to be a YouTuber. Okay, well, I'm not going to squash that dream, but I am going to help you be realistic about that dream. What does that take? Because, you know, it, it, it seems glamorous or really easy, but those people are putting in a ton of hours, you know, thinking up content recording that content, editing that content, and making sure that they're doing it on a consistent basis to drive audiences and whatnot. So it's not just, oh, this is going to be fun and I'm just going to hit record and then post. It's, th- there's some work to be done. So um, just helping them to, to know that. Uh, because again, I think the, the net net here is college isn't required for everyone. Um, I too didn't go to college right outside of high school but I was also the first of my immediate family to graduate high school my dad was a high school dropout my mom was a high school dropout my older sister was a high school dropout and then my younger brother dropped out of high school before he finished so in that immediate core family I was the only one to graduate high school so I was like college I got through high school like pat on the back and then eventually I decided ooh well For the things I want, maybe college is a requirement, but I ended up taking some time off. And I know we also wanted to talk a little bit about students who take time off, if that's planned and what a gap year might look like um, for those who are deciding. Yeah, not college right now, but college eventually.
2: Absolutely. And I have a a friend who actually is planning to focus on building gap years for students. She herself took a gap year. She actually never did end up going to college, but that again was because she decided it wasn't the right thing for her. Immediately out of high school, well actually partway through high school, they knew that college was not the thing for her. So she ended up taking a gap year program and this particular program had her go to the mountains of Appalachia and work in a small town where they actually were serving these under underprivileged and also underrepresented people in that town and she did that for a year said it was the best thing she has ever done and and really is what got her on her path she now works with she's she's an executive recruiter and she now works with students and young adults who come out of high school with no degree, maybe even, maybe they have an associate's degree, but maybe not. And she helps them get into careers, shows them the path to get into careers where they don't need a college degree. And she's working in corporate America. Hmm. So it is possible. It's just that there's often a limit <laughs> to how far you can go without at least an associate's degree. And in a lot of cases, a bachelor's. But in some industries that doesn't matter. Now in terms of the gap year, there are different things that colleges want to see if you're going to take a gap year. Back when I was coming out of college or going to college, a lot of students put on a backpack, went backpacking around Europe or went backpacking around Asia. Today, that is not really what the colleges are looking for, although I'm sure we could have a, a whole full-blown conversation <laughs> about the benefits of doing that, but uh, that's not what they're looking for. They want to see that you did something with your time. Some of that means going to a uh, a school that maybe focuses on a particular vocation, like hospitality if you are going to get a management degree and want to go into hospitality management. Some of that might be a student who uh, goes off and does some time in the military, uh, does their basic training and some beginning training in the military, and then comes back to college as uh, an ROTC student or as somebody in the military reserves, whether it be Army, Navy, Air Force. And a lot of times they do have to take at least a semester off in order to do that. A lot of colleges today will allow you to enroll, to apply, get accepted, enroll, get your merit money, which we'll talk about later, but then defer for one year. So you can take that year off at many colleges. And I think colleges are starting to understand that not all students wanna come in the first year, not all are ready for college that first year after high school. And I think they're also doing it because the statistic is that 50 to 60% of students change their major before they graduate. I did. I wanted to take a year off. My parents would not would not say yes to that. Of course, I was the first in my generation or in my family to go to college. So that was important to them that I go straight into college, but I ended up changing my major. So there are other options out there and the colleges are becoming aware of them and supporting them.
0: And I really love that we're talking about this because I don't think that this is well known. Maybe I've been kind of living under a rock, who knows, but um, I don't, I have never heard that information before. And I have two kids in college, right? And so I think this is just, it's so important that we're talking about this. Um, You guys know that I'm big on communication, right? So sharing this information, but also what we've been bringing into this conversation is having the conversation with our kids too and letting them know what their options are, right? And I think that I'm just going to throw this in there um, because I know that I did it uh, and probably still do it to an extent of kind of pushing your kids a certain direction, We all say, you know, oh, it's your choice, but I'll be real honest. I, I might have pushed, you know, like, hey, are you going to go to college? Are you going to go to college? And, um, are you going to finish? Or, you know what? What now? What's next? So I just love that we're talking about this and sharing these different programs and especially the gap year because I think that it gives, and I'm not going to say kids because a lot of them are young adults, right? But it gives them an opportunity to experience life in maybe a little different way than they have previous, right? It's kind of a a coming of age and maybe gives them some insight of where they actually want to go, get some new experiences. And I don't want to change, you know, get off on a tangent, but Gosh darn it! You both know that I travel a lot, and there is a lot of power in traveling. So I need to talk to some of these universities and say, you know what? Kids want a backpack for a year; they can learn a lot about themselves in that time. That shit—that's valuable time that they're spending. But um, I think the gap year information—tremendously important information to share and, and talk about.
1: Yeah, and I think there's so many opportunities for. Uh- High school graduates to get some real world experience before just rushing off to college, you know, without getting too down uh, some rabbit hole. You know, high school is not real life. College isn't real life. The workplace ends up becoming real life, and so if if students could have experiences in doing an internship in an office, you know, maybe they think they want to be in marketing and then they do an internship in marketing and they realize, yeah, no, I I have no interest in that. Or it just reaffirms like, yes, this, this is what I'm really passionate about. I just think there's so much uh, that we kind of take experiences away from our kids when we should be giving them experiences. It it goes back to backpacking through Europe. Like some might, Look down on that, like, wow, what were you doing with your life? I I was experiencing life while I was still young enough to kind of enjoy it and before I had a ton of responsibilities. Like, why is that a bad thing? So I I love the idea of taking some time off to be productive in a different way.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, and I I identify very strongly with what you're saying about the internship. As a matter of fact, I require all the students that I work with to either do an internship or do a job shadow and at least an informational interview with people in their industry. I'm working with a young lady right now who wants to go into business, but she's not sure if she wants to go into finance or business management. So we're having her do informational interviews with both fields. And as a matter of fact, even in finance, there are several different ways you can go. And I asked if she wanted to talk to a variety of different people. She really has an idea of what she would want to do with finance. So we're only having her talk to one person in that particular area. But doing an internship in high school, even doing an internship in, college, in the gap year is also very important. For the reasons you mentioned, Nino. And as a matter of fact, the school that I visited uh, in June, they were, I actually got to sit in on their parent orientation and they actually talked about how they encourage students to do that and do the college exploration. Those first two years, as a matter of fact, this college doesn't even allow students to declare their major until the end of their freshman year and most don't declare it until the end of their sophomore year because they want them to explore that and they still have a way that they figure it out so that the kids still graduate in for years if they stay on track. So I do think that colleges and universities are becoming more aware of the fact that students don't always go in knowing what they want to do. And as a matter of fact, they kind of pride themselves on the fact that sometimes through their these programs, students figure out what they don't want to do, which is just as important. So I really, I really think this is a conversation that more and more families need to have. And to your point, uh, Sarah, I don't think a lot of families are willing to open up the door and really let students make make their decisions. I will admit. I wasn't that way with my stepdaughter. Uh, my stepson as I mentioned I'm being much more open-minded about it as long as he explores all his options and I do think that's a conversation that needs to happen with parents.
0: And so can we mm-hmm. talk about that a little bit about like maybe what our responsibility as parents are and then what is the student's responsibility in this so can we bring in that that conversation just share with people you know what? What are our individual responsibilities in this? Because um, I think there are both, right? It's it's very much a shared responsibility. And we're I think, you know, I'd like to talk about parents versus students. There are some other responsibilities in there, but let's just narrow it down to, to parents and, and students. Kelly, what would you say? Um, what are some of our responsibilities um, in starting this conversation and having these conversations?
2: Well, as I said, I think this needs to start preferably in seventh or eighth grade, but definitely by freshman year, I think we need to be having a conversation about where the student thinks they might be headed. I am also not a proponent of trying to say, okay, what do you think you want to do for the rest of your life? I remember being terrified by that conversation. Uh, I do also think that parents, in addition to having the conversation about what do you think we're headed toward? What things do you like to do? To your point, Nino, what things do you seem to have an aptitude for? And then if we're looking at college, what is the budget? And I firmly believe that the budget conversation needs to happen early in high school. And the reason for that is that students can start planning, families can start planning. I think it's best If the family sits down and says, okay, this is what we have available to you. That's a parent's responsibility along with helping the student figure out where they might be going. So the reason I think it's such a big responsibility for parents to sit down early on and have that discussion is so that the student knows if they then have to have a responsibility for doing things like Taking the right classes and doing the right activities, targeted activities to get scholarships, merit money from the colleges. What do they have to do if they're going to be looking for outside scholarships? Do they have to be getting a job to help pay for things? Do they need to uh, do anything else? What portion of it is going to be the student's responsibility if the parent is, parents are not able to pay for everything? So I definitely am a proponent of students having some skin in the game, even if it just means once they get into college, if they're given work study, they fulfill the work study instead of the parents having to come up with the money or they get a job instead of the parents having to come up with all of the money.
1: This is an area that... um I go back to the idea that I was the first of my immediate family to graduate high school right so this was a complete missed opportunity mm-hmm. for uh for my family and then I think about I have some younger siblings half siblings who um when they were in high school I tried to encourage them like one knew he he just knew he's like I'm either going to be like a sports agent or a lawyer that deals specifically in sports. And so I'm like, dude, you really should get on the debate club and, and join the high school newspaper and and get like exposure to those skills and, 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 and those tasks and whatnot. And so now I'm carrying that forward with, with my children now where it's like, when you show interest in something, it's what clubs can you insert yourself into what classes are offered as electives. So, my daughter is going in her second year. She's only in eighth grade. She's already going into her second year of theater because of her interest in performing arts. So it's, I love having that conversation as early as possible to say, what can you be, what classes and clubs can you be in and taking now that are going to build up a knowledge and a skill in an area of interest?
2: And I, I, Fully support that. As a matter of fact, that's one of the conversations that I like to have with families. That's why I actually like to start meeting with families in seventh, eighth grade. If I can, most families aren't willing to start looking at college at that point, but at least by ninth grade, helping them figure out, okay, you want to go into engineering. You need to do whatever it takes to find a way to take physics your last year and your senior year and calculus your senior year. You want to have that foundation. And it makes it easier to get into an engineering major if you already have that. And then like you said, uh, if she thinks she enjoys theater, great, explore theater. Even if she's going to go into a STEM major, explore theater. That's something you enjoy. And what colleges are looking for, it's not what we used to think. It's not the president of every club. It's not trying to be the team captain. It's, okay, what kind of impact did you make? And dive deep into an activity you like. If that's being on the dance team or being in a dance program from eighth grade through 10th grade, that actually makes a difference because they see you stuck with something and that you went after what you enjoyed and didn't just bounce around to everything. Now, there's also nothing wrong with trying something for a couple of years and saying, you know, that just really isn't me. Uh, The cross-country team isn't going to get me where I want to be as a physics major, so I'm going to do some of these other things that, A, I enjoy more, but also are more targeted to what I want to major in and what I want to study." So I really commend you for starting your daughter that early in the activity aspect of it and also looking at what classes she's going to need to go after whatever it is she wants to study.
0: Yeah, Yeah. and I'd throw in here too. Oh, sorry, Kelly, go ahead.
2: Well, I was just going to say we could look at that as one of the parent responsibilities since we are talking about parent and student responsibilities. Hmm.
0: Yeah, and I agree. And I think part of it, too, really lends to maybe it's not the actual job. You know, sometimes I think maybe we focus too much on the job or the degree. Maybe it's more this the I'm going to use a big term, the psychographics part of this. Right. It's not the, the job itself. But I can look back on the things that I really enjoyed and the things that I wanted to do. You know, growing up, I wanted to be a teacher, wanted to be in EMS, you know, a paramedic right wanted to do these things and it wasn't those jobs specifically when i really look back and you really look at what do all of these things that i've wanted to do in my life what do they all have in common it was this desire to really help people in situations right where they wanted to learn more or they were in trouble right or or found themselves and so now being in the coaching industry right i'm actually living a big part of what it is that I've always wanted to do. It wasn't those jobs specific, but it's really the qualities of those jobs, right? And so I think that, you know, with Nina, with your daughter, with my kids, you know, uh, uh, looking, it's not necessarily the job specifically, but I think it's our our job as parents to start looking at why do our kids want to go into those fields, right? And let's start pulling out the pieces Mm -hmm. behind it Um, because maybe it's not the job specifically. Maybe it's what uh, comes from the job, right? Maybe it's what we gain through that experience. And I think it really is. And I'll tell you, my parents did not have conversations around college with me. I was left on my own. That's not an excuse of why I didn't go. There were a lot of reasons why I didn't go. But I kind of did the opposite with my kids. Like, hey, I want to be involved here, you know, and kind of pushing them. And now I see there's more of kind of a, a middle ground with it, right? And that's why I love that we're having this conversation is how can we encourage our children to be looking at their future and really looking at what it is that they want to do, but also not pushing them in any one specific direction.
2: Absolutely. And students need guidance just as kids growing up need boundaries and they need uh you know, expectations. And then also they need consequences. Kids in the high school, junior high to high school need guidance and guidance can take a lot of different forms, but I like the form you're talking about. I really do because it is that, that fine line, middle ground that goes between saying, okay, let's investigate this. And this is what you're going to do. I personally was told I was going to be a journalism major. And I was told what college I was going to go to. It was the local, the local uh, state college. That worked out fine for me, but it wouldn't for everybody. So we really do have to find that middle ground.
1: What a great conversation! I think um, I w- I want to just highlight the the importance of sitting down and having conversations early with with kids, just to explore what their interests are and maybe starting to identify a couple of clubs and classes that would at least align to that so that they're not going through their their high school experience just kind of willy-nilly. I know I went through my high school experience and I just it was whatever classes I was kind of assigned and and then when I had opportunity for electives it was I, I don't know. I, I guess I kind of like business. So then I got to take economics. Mm-hmm. It, it was, it, it was so unstructured. <laughs> there was no rhyme or true reason. So I like the idea of you know, having this conversation early, sitting down with your kids, exploring what the, the, they enjoy and then exploring, you know, what are some paths to um, either confirm or um, debunk the idea that this is something that you're truly interested in.
2: To that point, I will say that our, co- our college counselors uh, in the high school, particularly have the best intentions. They are overworked by the way the average high school, college counselor works with between 400 and 600 students every year. So there is no way they really have the time to sit down and have these kinds of conversations. As a matter of fact, I know kids. In fact, I'm working with one right now who got all the way to his senior year without knowing that he had to have two years of a foreign language in order to get into a lot of colleges. Hmm. So, you know, there, there is a real disconnect there, but the college counselors don't have the time to sit down and go through an entire chart of okay, what is your trajectory going to be in each of the subjects you have to take? They will put out put together a chart of okay, if you're going to college, this is the typical path. If you're not going to college and you want to go into STEM, this is the typical path. If you're not going to college and you just don't want to go out and be uh, and work in business, for example, this is the path. But there's nothing really specific about those classes other than saying these are the typical classes you would want to take. They don't say you need to be taking physics. You need to take some summer school so that you can get to this level. And that's one of the things that I do and what a lot of the people like me are doing. And yes, that is that is something that parents can do. So like you said, these conversations, the conversation about money That is a difficult conversation. And as financial coaches, you both know that I'm also a financial coach. So we know that families oftentimes don't talk about money, but that has to happen. First of all, we should break that cycle. But also it has to happen as we're approaching the college or trade school idea, because by the way, trade schools can cost you up to $40,000 as well. So what is the parent able to contribute and where do the students have to contribute and are they going to be taking out loans? Part of my focus is to help students take out the fewest loans possible, but you don't know until you have these conversations. And I I will say, I have parents come to me beginning of senior year. And I, I had this happen two years ago where a parent came to me and said, she, we knew she wanted to go to college. We didn't know what she was going to study. So we just didn't really do too much. Um, she wants to go to college and some of these are pretty big colleges. We have done no planning. We have nothing set aside financially. We don't even have a 529 plan. Figure out how she can go to college with as few loans as possible. That really short changes the students there isn't a lot that can be done at that point unless they happen to qualify for a lot of scholarships that's one of the reasons these conversations are so important at an early at an early stage
1: yeah and i think what we've illustrated here is that it, it starts with these conversations and then the conversation kind of uh, balloons into other things. And we're going to bring Kelly back for um, another part where we're going to talk about ways to save money on college and um, and taking the everything you've learned from this conversation with your student early on and looking at how can we save on the college that they choose. And we'll also look at ways to pay for college, but you'll have to come back for parts two and three uh, as we continue the conversation with Kelly next time. In the meantime, If you're ready to take your financial growth to the next level, schedule a free discovery call with Sarah, myself, or Kelly. We'll get you the the links in the description. And during your personalized session, we'll discuss your specific financial goals, gain clarity on your challenges, and explore how working with a financial coach can accelerate your progress. Don't miss out on this valuable opportunity. Book your free discovery call now and create the new money habits needed to achieve financial freedom. Kelly, I wanna thank you again for joining us for kind of this part one of our conversation and I look forward to uh, continuing it next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the New Money Habits podcast brought to you by New Money Habits and Keeping Up with the Joneses Financial Coaching. Submit your questions to our host by emailing podcast at newmoneyhabits.com. Be sure to subscribe to be notified of future episodes. Join our growing group of like-minded
2: people on Facebook and follow us on your favorite platform. Music provided by Summer School.